Hello, and welcome to the show. This is the J&J Podcast from J&J Editorial. I'm Michael Casp, Director of Business Development at J&J, and in this episode of the podcast, I'm going to talk with someone who I've worked with for a long time now, J&J's Executive Director, Brittany Sweat. In addition to helping manage the ever-growing company that is J&J, Brittany is also the co-chair of the program committee for the 2021 Council of Science Editors virtual annual meeting that's coming up in May. Brittany was also just elected to CSE's board of directors. I look forward to talking with Brittany about the upcoming meeting and about CSE's plans for 2021 and beyond. And with that, let's get to the interview with Brittany Sweat. Hi, Brittany. How are you? Hey, Michael. Great to talk to you today. I'm great. Yeah, awesome. Glad to hear it. Um, So CSE's virtual annual meeting is just a few weeks away. So how are you feeling as the program committee co-chair? Excited, a little impatient. Um, You know, it's weeks away, but there's still a lot of uh, of work to do. So I'm not trying to wish away April too much and and hope for May, but I'm feeling good. It kind of reminds me of wedding planning a little bit, honestly, except with a lot more support. So there's something really good at the end of um, all the work that we're putting into it. So I'm anticipating that those couple of days for the meeting. It's very exciting. Um, and it makes sense that uh, it feels a bit like a wedding. I think there's just so much work that goes into both of these. Um, I've served on uh, the CSE program committee in the past. And I've always been amazed at the chairs who are responsible for organizing these whole annual meetings. Um, when I was on the committee, I ended up organizing and moderating a couple sessions, which to me felt like a ton of work. So how does one organize an, an entire meeting? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I've gotten a crash course in the past year. And really, like I would say, first and foremost, it is a tremendous team effort. You know, for the past year, I've been working really closely with my program co-chair, Emma Shumako. Um, she's the managing editor at PNAS, as well as the CSE president, Carissa Gilman. And, you know, all the staff behind us at, at our management company that really supports us. But we were sort of lucky compared to the CSE meeting in 2020. Uh, they had to like really pivot on a dime to put together, like transition the meeting to a virtual platform. Um, And we knew pretty early on that we would be virtual. And so we really embraced that and tried to think of every way um, that we could optimize a virtual meeting to, you know, best meet the needs of members and attendees. So we really leaned into that aspect of the meeting. You know, Emma and Chris and I, we really started with broad strokes. So thinking about the goals for the meeting and the theme was really a driving factor for us that really underscored everything. So the theme for this year is shaping our future by embracing adaptability. And and we started brainstorming that last summer and there was so much going on in in the country with, you know, the pandemic, the election impending, the social justice movement, issues around systemic racism in our country. So we wanted a theme that would acknowledge that humans are good at adapting to changing circumstances. Um, You know, we were just all being faced with so many challenges, but that we could choose to adapt and positive and constructive ways. And we also wanted to really think about like we as individuals have agency, right? So we can make a decision or or make a choice to adapt, you know, whether that's at a professional, personal or societal level. So that was our 
guiding, you know, beacon of like how we outlined the meeting. And from there, I mean, we just have an exceptional program committee um, at CSC. I'm so thankful for all of their ideas. We just all got together and brainstormed a lot of content ideas that would be good sessions. And, you know, honestly, as soon as uh, Carissa asked me to be one of her program chairs, I started writing myself these like random little emails for over a year about like what might be good for a session or what who might be a good speaker. And I just kept a folder um, of all of those to present to the committee as ideas. And, you know, just taking everyone's brainstorming and, and really focusing in on like the sessions that would speak to our members. You know, Emma and I felt very strongly about wanting, you know, a number of sessions that would have a production focus. We also wanted multiple sessions with a primary focus on diversity and inclusion. So it really came together well, but it is a tremendous effort. And I know that, you know, Emma and I get a lot of the spotlight for it, but there's a lot of people that put a lot of hard work into into creating an annual meeting like this. Tell me about the keynote speakers we have lined up for the CSC meeting. Um, From talking to you, I know you're pretty excited about them. Yeah, I'm like a little bit nerding out about it because, um, you know, we have Dr. Michael Osterholm and Jessica Milati Rivera, and they're both epidemiologists. So they're scientists and they come from the public health field, which I have a public health background. And, you know, public health isn't always sexy, but like it is so crucial to like a functioning society and the health of our society. So I'm glad that it's getting a lot of attention. Um, And to have two renowned public health scientists is thrilling. I'm hopeful to be able to meet them. And, you know, it feels a little bit like they're famous. But from Dr. Osterholm's perspective, you know, he's the head at the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota. And he was previously on President Biden's COVID-19 like response team. And I just think the intersection of science and politics um, is so fascinating and obviously has been playing out through this entire pandemic. You know, he's been an outspoken advocate for transparency about the science and communicating honestly with the public. Um, So I'm really looking forward to his thoughts on some of those issues and, you know, how this particular experience of the pandemic will impact the public health field. This is sort of a once in a generation, like, call on the public health field that they've had to respond to and and issues of depoliticizing science. I mean, there's like so much to dig into where his specialties lie. And then Jessica Milati Rivera, like so excited to have a woman who is a scientist and a mother, like, you know, from the science side, she's an infectious disease researcher and her focus has really been on the communication of science, particularly to the public. You know, she spent a lot of her efforts in that space, debunking myths and conspiracy theories, making science, you know, accessible um, to the public and advocating for vaccination. So she's used particularly her Instagram account to reach a lot of audience with really informative messages about science. So I would love to see more like powerful science influencers in that space. And she's just on a personal level, she's really relatable to me. Like the first place I saw her was actually on the cover of Parents Magazine. She was a part of a cover story on how moms were balancing family and work during the pandemic, which is something that I can really relate to. And I know a lot of professionals can, mothers and fathers. So um, I think she really represents the, the science of what we're going through now, but also like the lived experience of it. And I think that's really compelling. Well, I can tell you, I'm really excited. And I'm glad you brought that up about communicating science, because I do feel like that's 
just in general, a big direction for perhaps our industry or some adjacent industries, because there is, I mean, as we see every day, there's so much science being produced, but I don't think a lot of that's making its way out to the public, which um, it totally makes sense that that's like a, a key idea for public health experts, et cetera, to focus on going forward. Because if we have all this information, that's great. But if we can't get it out to the public where it can actually do some good, then what are we doing? You know, exactly. I'm very excited to, to hear more uh, about her thoughts about using social media and those kinds of tools. I, I know on our work chat this morning, someone shared a TikTok video of someone explaining why you need two Moderna shots. But it was this funny little TikTok video, but they actually did a really good job in sort of explaining the basic concept behind why you needed two of the shots. So uh, I'm super excited about um, people who are uh, doing new things in this space. Yeah, absolutely. And like, how can we, like our journals are focused towards clinicians and researchers, but we have a responsibility too, I think, to help, whether it's, you know, we're doing it ourselves or helping other entities, like convey those messages back to the public in a way that makes sense and and underscores the importance of science and the process of science. So So are there any uh, concurrent sessions in particular that you're really looking forward to? Oh my gosh. Can I say all of them? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's really hard to you know, pick one uh, or above the others, but, you know, a few that jump out at me. One of them is open access, a global conversations. Uh, Jen Deaton has put together, you know, an excellent panel of speakers that really focuses on topics surrounding open access and their perception and practical application around the globe and really infusing that conversation with themes around diversity and inclusion when we're talking about the global community and how can we ensure equal access to scientific information to researchers and clinicians around the world. So I like that that has a global focus, but it's also pulling in those themes of diversity inclusion and just applying them more broadly. That's like one of many. I also wanted to add, if you don't mind, like we, one of the things I'm excited about, it's not a concurrent session, but um, we always have um, short courses in conjunction with the annual meeting. And this year we were able to launch a new short course that focuses on diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, we're organizing this, this is sort of an intensive day long educational session that covers so many different facets of DEI in practical terms and sort of thematic terms as well. Like what are the issues, but also like, how do we apply those at the journal level? Like how can journals be advocates for, you know, including those themes like in the science that they publish in the representation of their editorial boards and peer reviewers and and other ways that we can use journals as a good avenue to address those issues in a positive way. So I'm really excited about that. This will be the very first time that we offer that short course. And I think it's going to be amazing. I agree. And I agree with, on the importance of having that, you know, as, as we've seen in, in the news and elsewhere, you know, as much as we in our industry are talking about DE&I, not everybody is fully up to date with, I guess, the evolving culture. So I think, you know, all these training sessions that CSE can put out will really help and will make an impact right when it's needed most. So I, I will say one of the ones that I'm really looking forward to uh, one of the sessions is moving to a commercial publisher. 
lessons learned. So this is something being put together by Angela Cochran, Glenn Landis, Tracy DePellegrin, and Ruth Isaacson. And we actually work with a lot of these folks as clients. So I'm really curious to hear from their perspective on what their commercial publisher transitions looked like and felt like because, you know, J&J is often called on to help with, you know, some of the logistics or doing some of the, you know, systems configurations to help make these transitions happen uh, when uh, publishers move to a, a commercial publisher. But I really want to hear, I guess, some of the inside baseball and and just what, what goes on from the client side, because that, that's just something we don't necessarily hear a lot about, because we're usually just so much on the ground and in the nitty gritty of these things. So it'll be, I'll be curious to hear more from their perspective on the strategic view of, of mm-hmm. moving to a commercial publisher. So that's one I'm pretty, pretty excited about. I'm hoping that they feel comfortable getting into like the decision-making process of making some of those transitions, you know, particularly going from a self-publishing society to a publisher. I mean, we've seen a lot of that over the last couple of years. And, you know, I'd love some, as you said, inside baseball, like how they made that decision. Uh, Those decisions, I mean, it's really complex and a lot of like financial implications to something like that. Any other sessions that you're really excited about? Yeah. I mean, one that's like very near and dear to my heart because it like directly impacts like one of the journals that I work on. So uh, Michael Friedman is putting together a session on society publishing guidelines, creation, um, workflows and best practices, that sort of thing. And, you know, in one of my journals, I think I have like six society guidelines in process right now. And it is like so overwhelming. So I've been like wanting this session for so long and it could really like benefit what I'm doing on an everyday basis. So, I mean, I, that's like part of the beauty of CSE and why I love this meeting is like you get a lot of practical information that you can take back to your office and like apply directly. And then some of these like big picture decision-making and you know how the industry is moving uh, sorts of conversations too. So it's a really good mix of the practical and the like big picture issues going on in the industry. So that's that's an example of like a really pragmatic one that I like want to take notes on and like take back and like incorporate into my daily life. Yeah, I love that. And I agree that that's one of the things that CSE really does bring to the table is building that link between the big picture and the day to day. And and that kind of goes along with one of the other sessions that I'm really excited about, which is the inclusive author name change policies. This one, you know, I'm interested in because it'll be helpful in my work in DE&I, but also I did submit a similar session proposal to another meeting because I just think this this whole idea is it's just a really nice marriage between the big picture and the small picture. Uh, I read a great article uh, a few months back from the perspective of an author who was trying to change their name and Mm -hmm. just kind of seeing how far they could push that, you know, on their older publications, on their newer publications and all this. And, and they just ran into roadblocks everywhere they turned whenever they were trying to just get their name updated. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Jess Rucker at uh, the American Chemical Society is putting that together. And I know they've done a lot of like policy around it too. So I'm interested in that one to see like what the policy side of it and then like the implementation side of it too. Because I'm sure a lot of organizations are grappling with this. And if there's like sort of a little bit of a blueprint out there, I think that could be really helpful to a lot of organizations. Exactly. Because it's in theory kind of simple, but as soon as you start trying to actually do it, you realize like, oh gosh, all of these systems are connected. So if you change 
the name here. Well, what are you going to do about this next level and this index? What are you going to do on this other place? I don't know. I've thought about this a lot. So <laughs> I'm really excited about it because there's not an easy way to do it. And there's no clear guidelines. So, so I think this is a great start at, at figuring that out. Any other uh, interesting ones that you're, you're really looking forward to? wanted to maybe plug, we talked about the the keynote and the plenary speaker, but I also wanted to talk about, you know, one of the ways we were sort of leaning into the virtual platform this year was to expand the meeting, which is normally two days to three, but shorten the days a little bit because, you know, we know people have like, they might have their kids at home, they have other work obligations, so they don't want to like devote, you know, two full days um, and certainly not three full days, but we have this third day. And in the general session, we're doing a debate that Michael Clark of Clark and Esposito is moderating for us. The proposition that the two debaters are going to be speaking to uh, relates to how, what are the expectations of journals and journal editors in terms of investigating and sort of adjudicating when science sleuths come to journals with anonymous tips about author misconduct or image manipulation that may or may not actually impact the science or the conclusions of a paper, but journal editors feel compelled that they need to spend time and resources investigating that. I think that'll be really interesting. We have um, Elizabeth Bick, who's a um, science sleuth herself and and Professor Bolnick, who's an editor-in-chief of a journal. So they'll be sort of debating the merits of how much time and resources we should be putting towards um, those anonymous tips from people. Fascinating stuff. I know when I was early on in the industry, those would always be interesting to me whenever we got these anonymous reports and I never knew how seriously to take them. So this will be an interesting discussion because some of them do end up turning into real issues and some of them are just people with too much time on their hands so exactly i'll be curious curious to hear some more perspective on that and finally the one another one I'm, i'm i'm super excited about and it's because it's an idea i've been thinking about for a session for a long time but i never had the time to actually make it come to be so i'm glad someone else did which is help me help you making the most of your production vendor relationship I've always thought that it would be great to have a session about how to work with a vendor. Since we do operate as a vendor in a lot of circumstances, you know, we learned that there are ways that you can really maximize that relationship if you try. But if you don't, things can go awry if if you're not communicating or or building that relationship in in a positive way. So definitely as someone who runs production projects for clients, I'm super excited about this one. I think it's going to be great because, you know, I come from an editorial background. So any chance I have to learn about working better with my production colleagues is like time well spent. Yeah. And it's actually, I I always feel like it's not that hard. You just have to remember that you just have to do it. Like, you know, you just have to keep those lines of communication open, maybe do some management here and there, but a little goes a long way in that space, I think. And I could go on and on. I think you and the program committee have set up just so many compelling sessions. And these these are all going to be recorded and available afterwards, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the benefits of the virtual meeting. People will have access to more content in the virtual space because they can go back and listen to all the recordings of all the sessions, not just the ones that they had time to um, attend in the moment. So uh, we think that's definitely a benefit of this platform. So yes. People will be able to to see all of the, all of the great content that our the speakers are are sharing. 
Very awesome. Well, as we come to a close, I did want to congratulate you on your recent election to the CSE Board of Directors. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. So what are your goals as you're stepping into this new leadership role? Um, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. I've, you know, I've been a, a committee chair for a number of years at CSC. Um, so I've been attending the meetings and just to be in a sort of a voting capacity. I mean, I just like every organization, right? CSC is adapting to stay current and relevant with all the challenges of the pandemic, yada, yada, yada. But our focus and our mission remains on educational content and like making sure that we're adapting to get that content out to as many people in our community as possible, I think is really important. Um, and sort of just leaning into that. Being in a virtual space is difficult, but we can reach more people and just making sure that our focus remains on giving access to that content to as many people as we can um, and getting as many people involved with CSE as we can. Like the more voices that we have that we hear and that, you know, contribute to the ideas that make our organization really strong, like that's going to serve us well in the future as we're, you know, planning and, you know, adapting to, you know, what we're in now, but also what's coming. So. Excellent. All right. So we'll finish off with a couple of fun questions. So tell me, what is a podcast you're listening to these days? Oh, okay. I have several, but I will say that my guilty pleasure at the moment, and I think you know this about me, that I'm a big Taylor Swift fan, but one of my editors actually just sent me very recently um, a link to The Ringer is the name of a podcast, and they do this thing where it's called Every Album Ever, and so it is an hour-long podcast, each one devoted to uh, a Taylor Swift album, which I know sounds like way too much Taylor Swift, and I agree, but it's not music. It's focused on the music, but it's not music. But it, one of the interviewers is a past CEO of Live Nation. And so he really talks about, like, the business of Taylor Swift. And I find that, like, super fascinating. So I've really enjoyed that. It's a little bit of a guilty pleasure, I would say. But the business side of music is pretty interesting to me at the moment. So that's what I'm listening to right now. Well, that's really exciting, and I totally get what you're saying. I watched the Taylor Swift documentary not too long ago, and yes. I, I did find that very interesting. <laughs> and I, I do follow along, not closely, but some of the drama that she has on the mm -hmm. business end of her, uh, I guess, what, copyrights and everything yep. that she's been dealing with lately. So, yeah, she's a shrewd businesswoman. So, I, I, I like the that aspect of it for sure. She is, and a great musician and performer. Yes. Um, my, which my daughter will wholeheartedly agree with. Uh, yep. Taylor <laughs> is probably her favorite musician. If Aww. I had to pick one, she That's awesome. she loves Taylor and has since she is like tiny since like the beginning of when we could even like sense that she enjoyed music she enjoyed taylor swift for sure that's awesome i love that yeah <laughs> uh anything else you'd like to uh plug or promote we've talked a lot about the meeting today and it really is just going to be such a great lineup of speakers um, and topics and you know there will be a lot of ways to engage with other attendees so I'm hoping that you know everyone will consider um, attending at least a day if not all three um, I think we have something for everyone I'm just really looking forward to it so thank you for for letting me talk a little bit about it with you today 
Absolutely. It was great to hear from you. And I'm even more excited about this meeting than I was before. Thank you so much for joining me today and answering some of my questions. And thank you for putting together this great meeting. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. See you, see you there in May. Thanks again to Brittany Sweat for talking to me about the 2021 CSE Annual Meeting, which runs from May 3 to 5. Don't forget to also take a look at CSE's popular short courses that'll take place on the days before and after the meeting. I also want to mention that I'll be speaking at this year's CSE in a session called XML 101 for Journal Production Editors. I'll be giving an intro for people who want to understand how XML works but need a good entry point. I'll be joined by Carrie Kirkpatrick from the American Physiological Society, who will be my co-panelist, and Julie Nash, my colleague here at J&J, will be moderating. We'll do our best to equip the audience with some basic knowledge that they can apply to their own projects and planning going forward. Thanks for listening. I'm Michael Casp, and we'll see you next time.